I've, I've never been, you know, I, I miss the days when you're a kid, you know, and, and you're playing little league football and, and you can be up by 35 or down by 35, but no one really knew as long as everybody's out there playing ball. But, uh, yeah, I do. I do know my, know my stats, but, um, there's a lot in there actually. I mean, like anybody, you know, you look back on, on the, the year, the years and, and the stuff that just irritates you. Cause it could have been the difference, you know, between, uh, you know, the Heisman, maybe, I don't know, but I'm not, yeah. not bitter about it at all. I don't know really <laughs> <think> about it. <laughs> the, the NFL stands for not for long. Second down and goal from just inside the two. Backs offset, Sharga and Armstead. Rollout, Walker, still running out. Looks to the left, wide open, Thompson, touchdown. Colin Thompson with the touchdown. There was nobody within 20 yards. What of a catch off the bobble. Colin Thompson scoops it up. Lofting quarter, the end zone. It is caught for the touchdown. The first NFL touch for Colin Thompson is a score. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition, episode 18, Christian McCaffrey, Not For Long Media. We are so excited to have you guys in today. I'm Colin Thompson, your host, and this is uh, Justin Ayers joining us today for a Just, Just In segment. Justin, how are we doing today? I'm good, man. It's a monster episode. We got, first of all, we have some awesome topics in this just in, but the interview is what you really, that's what you really are here for. The, the Christian McCaffrey CMC himself is here. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man. We are excited to be back. Episode 18. It's crazy. We are chugging along. We say it every time, but we're rolling. We're almost on 20, which is really cool and, and a milestone for us. And, and this is a milestone for us. I'm just going to be honest for me. Christian is one of the best players in the NFL. He's one of the best people I've ever played with in general, period, human being, top shelf player, top shelf human being. Check out what he's doing, 22 and Troops. We'll talk a little bit about that on the podcast. We also talk about his plan over the offseason, some questions I have for him. This is somebody that I've looked up to, even though I'm older than. This is someone that I've, I've watched dominate college football and pro football for almost a decade now. And they're able to pick his brain, which I do anyway, but uh, for publicly do it for you guys, it really led to some great podcasting. And uh, we told some stories. He talked about his family. He was a super successful athlete and just another great, great people. Um, just talked about his travels, talked about the people he's met and, and the places he's been because of the game of football. Um, I can relate, but not to his scale, which has been really cool. Really cool. Christian, can't thank you enough for joining us at Not For Long Media. And we're going to be doing everything we can at Not For Long Media. And I hope our listeners will, too. Uh, to support 22 and troops, a cause that's near and dear to his heart that you hear more about on the podcast uh, moving forward. So for the new listeners to our podcast, because I'm sure we'll have some new ones uh, due to the Christian McCaffrey um, podcast, we do a This Justin segment. That's Justin, Justin Ayers. And uh, we just touch on a little bit of hot topics. I get my opinions. Justin and I go back and forth, and then we send it over to the interview. So I want to give a shout out to our sponsors real quick before we get into anything. Wealth Advisory Services, the original Fudge Kitchen, and Cape May Brewing Company. All right, Justin, what do we got today, man? All right, we got three topics for this, Justin. First up is a pretty monumental ruling in the Supreme Court on Monday. They ruled in a 9 nothing decision that the NCAA cannot enforce rules that limit education-related benefits that colleges offer to students. So colleges, they can't be banned from sweetening their offers to D1 basketball and football players. So what are education-related benefits? I didn't know. That's, I've heard that term thrown out every, like all day today. They are computers, grad scholarships, tutoring, study abroad, internships. 
it's not pay to play. We're this we're not at that point yet, but I think this ruling, you know, it, it kind of paves the way for a future ruling like that. Uh, you know, as a former collegiate athlete at two D one colleges, Colin, uh, what were your thoughts when you when you heard the news? So you're telling me now that they can say, hey, you can go on a European trip every year if it's educational, paid for by us. You can have as many laptops or iPads as you want, as long as it's school driven. Is that what that is? Yes. So and I was looking at, you know, the, what if you wanted to give like a like a cash incentive for academics or like, you you know, you get a little sweetener in that regard. I think that's OK. I think for like graduation or academics, you can give you can give out some cash. And the NCAA was, they did not like this because they're like, you know, what's stopping them from giving out a Lamborghini, colleges, a Lamborghini to kids, you know, if they get straight A's or something. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I'm still trying to figure that part out. But all I know is that Justice Brett Kavanaugh was not a fan of the NCAA. If uh, I saw his comments all online today, he said the NCAA is not above the law. He said uh, the NCAA's business model will be flatly illegal in any other industry in America. So uh, some heavy, uh, heavy comments there from Kavanaugh, but it, it, this is, uh, you know, we're not at pay to play yet, but I'm excited at, uh, for the future prospects of something like that. I'm excited. I'm a little bummed out that I'm not in there, but I'm excited that maybe some of us, uh, I don't know, we really didn't pave the way because no one really held out. I think Northwestern was that team. I think it was like 2014, 15. I could have been wrong that said they were going to hold out. I don't know the full story there. Maybe we'll touch on that next week, but yeah, I think it's great. If you get straight A's and you get a Lambo, I don't really know how that's going to go or what what that's going to look like. But uh, you know what? This is what happens when the NCAA doesn't progress with the times, doesn't progress with we, – we, we had the Jay Bills clip up last week of Coach Shevshi was making 50000 a year when he played there. Now he's making almost $10 million a year, maybe more. I don't know the number we said. Probably off the court, too. He makes another couple million. So – the NCAA has got to move with the times. I get it. It's college sports. I do love the amateurism of it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's awesome. I think the camaraderie and the fun and everyone's in the same boat is really cool. But the problem is there's so much money being made now. That's not the, it's not the athletes want to get paid or, you know, they deserve to get paid because the coaches get paid a little bit. Now these coaches are making tons. I mean, tons and tons of money, 8 million a year, 10 million a year, lifetime contracts, buyouts you can leave anytime you want if you're a coach so i think the transfer transfer uh portal is a good thing for the future is it a good thing for football or basketball or i get it you can argue right it's too many players it's free agency you know i get it, it, it it's hurting the you know the the love of college football and that guy that's with the program for four or five years but you know what i transferred the grass is greener if you need it to be for you or you want it to be for you, you got to create your own future, your destiny. And that's what I had to do when I left Florida and went to Temple and I was shown the door of Florida and I really didn't have a choice. So um, a little bit different circumstance in a player that's just transferring to do it. I loved Gainesville. I didn't want to leave. It's the best thing ever happened to me, though. It really was. Um, so, yeah, it's I went off there a little bit, but you know what? If the NCAA is not going to move forward, like I said, and progress and try to change and try to meet in the middle and give players the avenues to make money for themselves. Hey, the law just came in and said, yeah, we're going to one up you, bud. And uh, they did. And I'm happy for the players, happy for the coaches and universities. And, you know, it's a shame. It, it could get a little messy, probably will. But that's what happens when you're just collecting paychecks and you're slow and you're not progressive. When, you know, when some of these football coaches are the highest paid state employees in like the state, 
you know, that's, that's something, but I, I saw when I was doing this, it was the ruling does, uh, does prevent every single NCAA con, um, yeah, conference. They can't work together. So there's no, you can't have like a unified set of education related benefit packages across the NCAA. So like the PAC 12 could have a way sweeter deal than, you know, the big 10. And, uh, you know, they, some conferences may say, okay, well, we're not going to do this certain aspect of education related benefits. We're not going to give out MacBooks or whatever, or we're not going to do study abroad, which actually sounds like the coolest part. Um, you know, all right, PAC 12, you can have that part. So if, you know, if you're a student, if you're an up and coming athlete, you know, academics are kind of important to you and you want to go to a, you want to go to a school where some of these are offered, you know, that's going to kind of create this, this fun dynamic across every conference. Um, you know, it, once yeah. we get to like the paying the players part, that part might be a little bit more of an issue where I can make more money here than there. But for right now, a little competitive advantage, I think. No doubt. And you talked about a little, some finance of competitive advantage, people working together. And I want to talk about our friends over at Wealth Advisory Services, Paul and Dave, a hundred years of experience in that office located in Doylestown, Bucks County, a town I grew up in. And I've been able to know this team at Wealth Advisory Services now for decades. My family's known them for decades. And we're so lucky to have them as people to obviously invest with, but really truly to bounce ideas with, if you do off, excuse me, bounce ideas off of. And if you really, if you don't know them, you should check them out. Wealthadvisoryservices.com. They're on Facebook. They're on Twitter. They're on Instagram, Paul and Dave. They're your guys. Contact someone. We sent you over here at Not For Long Media. Justin, what else we, do we have? We have uh, Cameron Kinley, the Naval Academy graduate, the undrafted corner uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Florida Senator Marco Rubio has sent out a letter to President Biden imploring him to grant the uh, the Bucks corner, uh, you know, a waiver to play in the NFL. Delay your service. Do basically what everybody else has gotten a waiver for, but apparently this guy hasn't. Uh, and, you know, Rubio said, quote, in years past, the Department of Defense has done a ton of waivers to allow athletes to delay their service to our nation to pursue their professional dreams. Unfortunately, Mr. Kinley seems, uh, seems to be the exception without reason. So uh, you touched upon this, I think, a couple weeks back. Um, but, you know, I'm fingers crossed for our guy. This is not fair what they're doing to him. Listen, I, I said it two weeks ago. You, you couldn't make that episode. You were being a warrior with a little little procedure there. Um, tough guy, hockey guy built and, different. uh, built different. Exactly. Oh, you, one of us. All right. So I'm a Navy fan. I've always said it. Um, I got the Navy flag flying down there right next to my temple Owls flag. I'm a huge Owls fan, obviously a way bigger Owls fan than a Navy fan, but I've gotten to have some family members. You know, my uncle Ken was a fighter pilot in the Navy for 20 plus years and a commander and someone I have a ton of respect for. So I got to find it that way. And then I love the city of Annapolis where Justin lives. And then I got to go to Navy games, play Navy, beat Navy in a championship game. And I loved it. I loved it. Um, love the town. So got to know a couple of players on that team. I know some players on that team. They're graduated now. For one of them not have the opportunity to uh, pursue their, their dreams, their goals, why Navy recruited you at the end of the day um, is unfair. Now, he is fully aware People educate yourself on this clickbait, right? So you're going to read the headline and say, oh, they they declined them. They, they declined them from playing professional football. Okay, well, you know, it's a shame that the the naval economy didn't let them have it. Well, there, there was obviously some reasons why. What are the reasons why? We don't really know. Or your opposite could be, that's right, he doesn't deserve to play pro. You know, he's got to do his four years. Well, my answer to that is, why don't you wait? You can still do your four years. Those four years are always going to be there. They're always going to be hanging over his head. I talked about creating an opportunity for him. Put him on the football staff. 
allow him to train. This is if he gets cut, right? If he gets cut, his football career is not over. I was cut, I don't know, eight times, 10 times before I landed in Carolina. And I still was cut before training camp last year. And then they brought me back a day later. So if say he gets cut, God forbid, is that it? He's done one, one cut. He's done. So I, I hope and pray this is great, but I hope and pray that it, it hangs around for a year. Give him a spot on the on the staff, um, allow him to train, uh, allow him to be a part of the Naval Academy and their drill work and whatever that may be as a postgraduate, maybe go to postgrad school there. I don't really know all that works, but I know this. If there's a will, there's a way. He's a proud, he was, a, uh, I think we, I read last week or I read when I, when I spoke about it, he was a team captain. Uh, I believe he had some, some of the highest honors in his entire class academically. So this isn't someone who just floated by at the academy. This is a through and through Navy person who, if you saw his tweet when he came out, he was adamant about how passionate he was for the Navy and how he can't wait to do his time and his service that he signed up for. But please give me an opportunity to do my profession at the highest level. So it's great what's going on. It's great that somebody stepped in and uh, I'm looking forward to following. I'm a fan. Hope he's on the team with the Bucks because I'm going to go up to him, shake his hand, thank him for his service, and and introduce myself and maybe have him on the podcast, Justin Ayers. That would be nice. It just bothers me that the whole point of some of these guys going pro, like when Keenan Reynolds got drafted, I think by the Ravens, that was such a huge story. It was great publicity for the Naval Academy. It was, hey, you know, you can come play at the Naval Academy and there's an opportunity for you to become the next Keenan Reynolds where everybody's talking about you and following your career. And, you know, Keenan Reynolds didn't have a, I think he's still in the league, but, he, you know, he hasn't been a star, but people know his name. Like, why can't, you know, the undrafted corner uh, for Tampa Bay, why can't he have the same opportunities that guys like Keenan Reynolds had? That's the only thing that bothers no, me about this. No doubt. I mean, that hurts. Navy recruiting big time because whether it's true or not, like he could have, we don't really know the full story. That's what I'm really, what I'm trying to say. We do not understand the full story. He could be commissioned and say, yeah, I'm going to be commissioned and I signed up and I'm good to go, but Oh wait, I'm going to, I got signed by the bucks. Now I can't. Well then you signed up, man. It's too late. If he delayed it and got, you know, so I, I, I spoke to my uncle about it a little bit and he can articulate it better than I can. So we'll follow the story. Maybe we'll have Ken on, fighter pile in the Navy to talk about a few different things and, and maybe he can help us with more of the details and get down the nitty gritty because obviously this is near and dear to you and I um, support the program, the Academy, and you live there. So uh, we'll talk through it and, and uh, yeah, wish them nothing but the best of luck. But one thing I want to talk through is the original fudge kitchen, 50 years of experience, 50 years, all to Jersey shore from ocean city, New Jersey, all the way down to Cape May where I live right now, the best fudge premier fudge. It's unbelievable. I brought some down to Carolina. We were going to work on it. I said it already, but I get a you know a package down here every other week or so. I absolutely love it. And the best part about it is they shipped it right to us at the facility. They shipped it right down. You could ship it across the country. It takes a few days. It's still so fresh the way they wrap it in the wax paper. Absolutely love what they do. But they also have so many other things too. Uh, they have all the chocolate-covered pretzels and strawberries and roses and you name it. They got it. Um it's a cool place, and I love the chocolate peanut butter cups. It's just a fantastic place. It's saltwater taffy, and like I said, they ship it around the country. They really do, and it's so good. It's so fresh. So uh, check them out, fudgekitchens.com. That's fudgekitchens.com. Follow them on social media. They do a great job, and again, 50 years of the best fudge in the country. Well done, guys. All right, last up, uh, the U.S. Open. Big, uh, big Sunday Father's Day viewing experience for all the dads out there. I'm sure everybody was loving that. Uh, it was this past weekend. John Rahm came from behind late Sunday. He won by a stroke. Uh, Rahm was the guy that got pulled from the uh, Memorial Tournament for testing positive for COVID in the middle of the match. He just had to leave. 
that's how I know John Rom. Uh, but you wanted to talk about a couple things, obviously the great ratings, and you want to talk about the trophy presentation. Well, first off, I want to talk about his mindset of, you know, I had COVID. It is what it is. We're in a pandemic. He didn't make excuses. He didn't complain. He just said, yep, it is what it is. I had to be withdrawn, and that's the nature of the beast. I thought that was so refreshing to hear, um, so refreshing to not hear an excuse or somebody complain, to say this is what it was. It is what it is. I got to control what I can control. That was fantastic too. Awesome event. I was watching with one at a corner of my eye, having a couple of Cape May Brew companies, Cape May Brew Co's down here in Cape May. And, you know, I watched a good bit of it, but not a ton. So I can't hear and talk about, I can't, you know, come today, maybe talk about shots like you can or talk about holes. But the one thing I really want to talk about is right, golf is a sport that has a, a smaller group compared to other sports that watch it. Um, they're really dying for a star, really dying. It's like Dustin Johnson, and then he like fizzles out, and then it's Rory at one point, and he fizzled out. Like obviously Tiger, we know Tiger. He's he's you know the combination of like five hundred golfers to one. If he's in the event, the ratings are just ridiculous. Um, it was Jordan Spieth at one time. The younger crew that's like our age is like all Jordan Spieth because we were able to watch him, and he won a lot in a row, and he was really good for a while. But they're dying for a star. I don't know if it's the players' fault, if it's the old ways of golf's fault. But I watched that trophy presentation earlier and like they showed him hugging his caddy or his pro or whatever who, who was with him on the driving range as he was waiting for the finish. And then it's like 45 minutes later, an hour later, they got him out to the green. They go through the whole presentation. They thank the PGA guy, which I'm sure he's a great human. He's done a ton for the tour for all his work for the PGA and then they congratulate him, and he's just, like, already done. He's already celebrated. It's an hour at that point since he's won. He's already hu hugged his wife, kissed his newborn baby. It's Father's Day. We get all that. I just thought there could be some more juice and moxie to it. Like, the minute he wins, I don't care if they're still on 18 or not, finishing up. Give the guy the trophy right away. Like, Give him bottles of champagne right away, his team, his people. It just shows him, like, hugging his caddy. And that's really cool, and that's who you grind with, and I get it. And listen, diehard golf fans, I, I could be wrong here, but it just seems like the sport sometimes is useless, and I get it. It's a dialed-in sport. You're not screaming after you make up, you know, uh, uh, you, you hit your wedge six feet from the hole on a par three. I, uh, it's not like us scoring a touchdown and the place goes crazy. My point is, like, it just seemed long. I don't know about boring because that's a bad term. I watched. It was engaging. But give the guy the raw emotion. Give the guy the trophy. Give him bottles of champagne, whatever. Douse him in Gatorade. Like, let's create some juice, some moxie. Like, let's create the clickbait that's going to be on the Instagram that everyone's going to see of him going crazy. Like have his wife right there, have everybody right there. I don't know. I just was watching that yesterday. I was watching with Sydney, um, her father, Fred, it was a former pro golfer, an all American in LSU. We watch golf. We appreciate golf. We try to play. We're, we're both not very good, but we try to be Sydney's way better than me, but we try to be good. And I just sat there yesterday as like, I want to be a media guy and I want to be like producing TV, whatever. And then an athlete, like you just want a U.S. open. He had juice, but like it was an hour after the trophy thing. So I don't know. We got to figure it out. I know the golfers have to finish. I get all that. But like we got to figure that out and find a way for it to be way more exciting because it's a major. 
It should be crazy. It should be chaos. And uh, it has nothing to do with the fans or not. I just wish they would find a way to maybe bolster him up some more and and get get some good highlights and good clips of him going crazy because it just seems sometimes when they win, it's like, all right, the fun's over. Now they're just waiting to get the trophy, hold it up for the picture, and move on. Am I wrong? Am I overreacting? I don't know. I just felt bored last night watching it. Bored's a bad word, I know, but it just felt, I don't know, unenthusiastic. Well, that's their idea of fun is when he holds the trophy up. But I think that would be like winning the Stanley Cup and then having to wait like a day to like actually like yeah. get the trophy. Oh, you know, we're going to go in the locker room. Chill out, guys. No one drinks any beers, though. No one drinks any K-Made Brewing Company. And then we're going to go off to the ice about 45 minutes later, and then we're going to celebrate. The fans leave. Everybody's there. I don't know. I just eh. – maybe I'm overreacting, but I'll tell you this. I'm not overreacting about how good K-Made Brewing Company is. Check them out. K-Made Brewing Company, the best – beer in jersey hey i could be wrong i don't know there's the number two distributor of beer in new jersey but also not for long media we're not biased we got great flavor profile when it comes to beer justin and i do at least and we love the beer at gay may brewing company they have something for everybody their tasting room is fantastic you can do a self-guided tour which is so much fun they have tons we're up near the cape may airport which is a great little growing area in cape may it's about 10 minutes outside of downtown Cape May, right off of Wildwood, right off the parkway. Uh, they have picnic tables, a huge field, stuff for people to do. Great place to take your family, have a couple drinks, enjoy the weather of Cape May. You get to see the planes landing at the airport. Uh, there's jets now because it's summertime. They got the G5s taken off. We're going to have a G5 here soon. I promise you there, uh, Justin, and not for long media. But, man. K-May Brewing Company is the best, and, and we're so lucky to team up with them. And uh, we appreciate the support of all our sponsors. So I didn't overreact there. Maybe I did overreact. I don't know. But I was sitting there last night. It was a nice Sunday. Sun setting in Cape May. And I'm thinking, man, this guy should be going crazy right now. I just won the U.S. Open. He just solidified himself amongst one of the greatest golfers of all time. If you win a major championship, he already is one of the top five in the world. He'll probably go down as, a, as an all-timer. And it's like a big hug to the caddy, which is a warm embrace and an awesome thing. And then just 45 minutes later, like we're waiting for a flyover. It's not teamed up, timed up right. I don't know. <laughs> like, let's get some moxie. Like the minute he wins, fly the jets over. The guys who aren't going to win, they didn't win. All, it's over. Like if they're still playing golf and some guy won, like, yeah, you could play for <laughs> second place. But here come the F-18s over, like a little juice, speaking of the Navy. Um, so I think that's it, Justin. That oh is it, God. man. Christian McCaffrey, one of the best players in the NFL, 22 in troops. Check it out, folks. Please help any way you can. And you're going to hear how important that is to Christian towards the end of the interview. But we can't thank you enough, C-Mac. Um, really looking forward to a fun year in Carolina with you. Uh, I know we all are. And, and, again, we really appreciate you coming on. So, guys, support our sponsors, WealthAdvisoryServices.com. The original Fudge Kitchen, FudgeKitchens.com. Check them out. Shipping fudge across the country. And then last but certainly not least, Kate May Brewing Company, the perfect beer for the summertime. So I'm Colin Thompson, your host. That's Justin Ayers. We like, I'd like to thank, too, everyone a part of Not For Long Media for putting this together. You guys have worked so hard, and uh, we got a great episode for you guys. We're going to send it over to the Christian McCaffrey podcast. Wow, so we're we're big time now. We got the man on twenty two, as as JB would say, twenty two. Uh, our our fearless uh, uh, physical therapist with the Panthers that 
Christian and I get to work with every day. So Christian McCaffrey, how you doing today, man? Oh, I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Colin's been, uh, he's been wanting me on. Well, I've been wanting to get on for about a year and a half now. Um, I finally got the okay to, to come on the podcast after you've been dodging me for about a year. So I appreciate you having me on. I'm going to let that lie and and not comment, but we appreciate well, you coming I mean, on. You know, I mean, you know, guys, guys change as, you know, as they go on more and more years to the league. So I, I was just honored that I got asked. Yeah, you know me. I'm a big-time guy in this league, and I'm really – I have the luxury to blow people off. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, I don't even know where to start because there's so many ways I can go. It's funny. I was going through, like, just doing some light background stuff. Obviously, I, I had the luxury to get to know you as a teammate. I've watched you as a fan. I've We were in college at the same time together, so I've seen you from far, and now I know you personally. So I'm going through and reviewing all these stats, and I'm like, I'm not going to talk about these stats. That's for anybody else. That's for someone else to talk about. That's – that's ridiculous. First off, dude, your stats are insane. Like, do you ever go? Do you ever go through them and be like, "Wow, that's a lot." Uh, you know, I, I've I've never been a stats guy, um, but yeah, I mean, I know I know my stats definitely. I think you know every, every competitor at the end of the year definitely knows the knows the statistics. But um, I've I've never been. You know, I, I miss the days when you're a kid. You know, and and you're playing little league football and. You can be up by 35 or down by 35, but no one really knew as long as everybody's out there playing ball. But uh, yeah, I do. I do know my know my stats, but um, there's a lot in there actually. I mean, like anybody, you know, you look back on on the the year, the years, and and the stuff that just irritates you because it could have been the difference, you know, between uh, you know the Heisman, maybe I don't know, but I'm not yeah. not bitter about it at all. I don't know really <laughs> about it, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. Now, do you set do you set a uh, you know a goal every year when it comes to numbers? Yeah, I set goals every year. Um, I used to I used to put more into the the individual goals than I do now, um, but I definitely set uh, individual goals. I try to do that with every period of of the year. So uh, you know, I'll set like a now you know since we get what three and a half weeks off from summer after minicamp, I'll set you know, a specific weight of where I want to be, you know, where, how much I want to deadlift, bench, clean, all that, you know, by the start of training camp. So I, so I'm, I'm constantly setting individual goals, you know, whether it's how many yards I want to have or touchdowns or whatever. Um, I think it's super important to set goals. You said it, you changed it where before you were like adamant about this number or whatever that may be. Why has it changed throughout your career where you may not care as much? Um, I think I've appreciated the uh, the team aspect of football, and a lot of times, you know, you can you can reach a goal um, because you're you know it, it means opportunity. I, I didn't say I don't um, I don't care about the individual goal anymore. I definitely still set number of goals, um, but I don't always I don't focus on them as much as I used to, uh, as opposed to you know just focusing one snap at a time, one play at a time and not really looking at, um, you know, cause I, I'm a, I'm a thinker, you know, and, and I'd be lying to you if I said, I, I haven't caught myself in the middle of a game wondering how many yards I've rushed for in that game. Um, you know, just to, to try to get to my goal. Um, 
I can get a little bit obsessive over it, which is a good thing. But, you know, then you start to think, well, I need to break a big one. I need to, you know, possibly bounce one instead of being patient and letting the hole open up and just continuing to be consistent with, uh, with my eyes and, and, you know, hit every hole and make sure I'm, I'm checking my, my P's and Q's before I start to try to make something happen just for my own personal goals. It seems like you're a dialed in, very soft, self-talk, competitive guy, you know, competing against yourself. People ask me about you frequently. I'm sure, you know, all your team, all of, all of us have been asked about the great players we play with, even you. You know, what makes, you know, Sam Darnold great or what makes, for me, what makes Christian great. And when I was in New York, it was Eli Manning or, you know, I was Mr. Trubisky in Chicago, Allen Robinson, whatever. So the first thing I say about C-Mac is he's the best walkthrough player I've ever seen. Um, I've never seen anything like it. You're just so dialed in. Where did you pick up those habits from and why do you value, why do you value, or where does that, where does that attention to detail come from? You know, to, um, I think for me, there's, there's always been, you know, a fear, a fear of losing, um, as well as, you know, I want to win, but, but, but the, the fear of failure scares me, uh, knowing that, you know, I know what I can be because of what I put on tape and I know, I know what can happen if I don't work as hard as I you know, possibly can uh, to be great as well. Um, you know, and I think when you go through adversity in, in this game of football, it'll, it'll, it can humble you, you know, it can humble you very, very quickly. Um, and that's something for me that's made me realize that I don't have time or the opportunity or the privilege to go through the motions in any aspect of the game. Um, and uh, I, I, uh, I was listening to George St. Pierre talk for, for, I'm a big UFC guy. I, I love combat sports. And, and one thing he said that really fascinated me was if you're not training to be the best in the world, then you should probably do something else. And that's coming from someone who, who's one of the best fighters in combat sports. And I just always try to relate, you know, the stuff that inspires me to, to football. And I, I look at the way that people talk about Kobe Bryant practice and Michael Jordan practice and, and all these guys who are so good at what they do and Tom Brady um, and, and Peyton Manning. And, and, and I think I'd really just be a fool, you know, not to approach it the way those guys did because so, so part of it's just learning from others and part of it, you know, to, to sum up a, a long answer, I'm rambling, but um, I think football's a, it, 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 it's humbling, you know what I mean? And, and it's a, it's a humble confidence that forces you to act um, accordingly when it comes to the details of, of being great at your sport. Humble confidence is a real thing because man, oh man, it will knock you out in a second. You played 48 straight games, man. That's unreal. And then you, and then you had some ups and downs with injuries last year. Uh, before I get into that, you said, learn from, learn from some greats, learn from some people when it comes to walkthroughs or competition or whatever it may be, who are some of the people over your career Obviously, your father, the people that were around him, people that he was around, surrounded himself with, and then you're in college, and then you're in pros. You've been with one organization. Who are some people that you've looked up through over the years and learned a lot from? Yeah, I mean, really, man. When when I think to guys that that have you know shown me the way, so to say, my my dad is somebody who taught me really everything I know about the game. Um, you know, he's a guy that I I just respect. You know, there's certain guys that. And you go through life and um, I was going on. Sorry. 
there's certain guys uh, when you go through life and you, you know, they, they say a lot of great things and, and everyone knows them obviously, but then you just kind of turn on the tape and you love the way they play the game. And I think when I watched my dad play, he never said shit, you know, he kind of just went about his business my whole life. Even he was never the loudest one in the room. Um, always very quiet. Um, you could tell uh, he was intelligent and, and, and he, he knew everything that was going on in the room and, and he didn't say a lot, but I was always curious as to, you know, what more he had to say um, because uh, he was just somebody who I respect the way they played football. I think really as a receiver too, he played wide receiver. I look at how he blocked and, and what he did in the run game. And I know obviously Trell Davis is a great back, um, but watching, you know, my dad and Rod Smith and watching that offensive line block, you know, 15, 16 yards down the field was something for me that I appreciate obviously as a runner, but um, it just shows that what what their mentality is. You know, it's easy to it's easy to have. You know, I won't say easy, but I guess everybody sees the highlights and they hear about the big names in football and this and that. And, um, one thing I've learned over the years is football is the biggest team sport in the world, and the guys that are the best team players are the best uh, football players, and and they're not always the guys that get all the attention. So. Um, my dad is someone, like I said, who I, who I look up to a lot, you know, coming into the league, uh, I'd say just in college, um, playing with a guy named Kevin Hogan, who was our quarterback at Stanford, uh, who's done a stint in the league, but um, a great leader. Once again, a quiet guy, didn't say much, um, but you just knew he was about it. And, and you can tell. And, and obviously, Colin, you, you've played with plenty of guys like that. They don't really need to say a whole lot for for them to make noise. And uh, he was one of those guys. And then coming into the league, Luke Keekley was somebody who um, is just a guy that you just want to emulate everything that he does. Uh, you know, and I had a lot of teammates like that, Ryan Cleo, Greg Olson, uh, you know, Julius Peppers, Thomas Davis, Cam, all these guys, right, who you come into the league. But, you know, Luke Keekley was, was, was Superman, you know what I mean? So I just tried to take a lot of knowledge from him and, and um, you know, pick up on some of the different traits that made him so great. What was Luke like? That's another one. People asked me last year, what's he like? I'm like, well, he was a scout, pretty intense guy. He lost some weight, right? I don't know. I, I just got here <laughs> last year, so I don't know. I met Luke on a recruit yeah. visit to Boston College. 20, I met Luke in 20, 2010, 2009. I, I went up there. Mike Sharavo, our linebacker coach, he was a recruiting coordinator. Ryan Day was the recruiting coordinator for our area. He was at Ohio State now. I was going to BC. I met this guy named Luke Keekley. He just looked like a normal guy. And they're like, that's the best player on our team. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> obviously, he is who he is now. But what's he like? He's super intense. Obviously, very smart, cerebral yeah. football player. Yeah, Luke's um, – it's, it's, he's such an interesting guy because he's one of those guys when, when you mention his name to other people, no one ever talks about the player he is because he's so, you know, he's that good of a person. He's that, and he truly is like, sometimes I think, I think he's like Dexter where he's such a nice human being and, and he's such a great friend of mine, you know, one of my best friends in the world today and been on fishing trips and done a lot of stuff together. And I've, I'm, <laughs> It's kind of sad, but I'm always looking for, you know, there's got to be something that, that, you know, that there has got to be something like there's no way that he's 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 this nice, but he truly is. Um, 
And, and he's one of the best guys I've ever met. Right. But, but I always, once again, you just turn on the tape. If you want to know who Luke Keekley is as a football player, just turn on the tape. He's arguably, you know, and, and, and if he played longer, it would have been undisputed, but arguably the best linebacker of all time. Um, and a guy who is a, is like a, he's a savage, you know, he's like Clark Kenton and, and then he steps on the field and he's Superman, you know, he, he, uh, but he's a humble person too. He understood um, what it took to be great. He watched more film than anyone. He practiced harder than it. You know, he, he was the guy who set the standard of what it takes to be a perennial all pro player every year. You know I mean? You want to talk about statistics. Unreal. I think he played, I think he played eight seasons, eight pro bowls, seven all pro. How's that? You know what I mean? Is that good? So, so he's a guy who, who just knew what it took to be great and did it day in and day out. Yeah, he's an he's another one of the stats. I, people tweet about it every once in a while. You'll see it like ten years in a row. I think he was either Pro Bowl, All Pro, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year. Just insane, fun to watch. Yeah. I think in his last year of college, he had like 196 tackles or something, and and it's like and he averaged 17 tackles a game. And and I I love looking up that statistic on Google because it's a picture of him and like some Ben Franklin bifocals. And you're like, this guy had 196 tackles. Um, but then you, once again, you just turn on the tape and he's just out there mauling people. And that's really, you know, what he does best. Well, we'll get to a later, more fun stuff. And then we'll get back to some of the serious business. So you, you drove the pace car at the Coca-Cola 600. How'd you make out? Yeah, man, I, you know, I, I did well. They didn't really let me step on it. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't able to, um, First off, I thought it was going to be a race car. I think it was like a Nissan Altima. So I was expecting. No way. I'm, I'm expecting like a V12 twin turbo. I'm about, you know what I mean? Like, you know, this is NASCAR, Ricky, Bobby, all that. So I'm going to go fast. And, and it was a Nissan Altima. I didn't have time to get to 100. I mean, they set the clock at 46 miles an hour when you're actually doing the pace car. So, no, um, yeah. And you're getting bumped by the guys behind you, which is, I mean, but but it is exhilarating. So it's three laps at 46 miles an hour and they, they keep you. Cause that's actually what they do to, to pace you. And then on the third lap, the guy told me, he's like, look in your rear view mirror on the third mat on the third lap. And so I look in the mirror and there's these cars that are just, you can hear them. And I got to say, it was one of the more exhilarating feelings I've ever had in my life. Um, so I was, it, it was very cool. And, and they let me, you know, they let me get up a little bit to, to hundred miles an hour. Uh, when I was practicing, but, but definitely, I wish they, I wish they let me step on it a little bit more. Yeah. That's interesting. There were some, there were some, uh, Tyson Fury I saw was there, Jay Leno, and then your boy who, who who's in NASCAR, Austin Dillon. Talk about your relationship with him. He's a pretty good driver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, you know, just being in Charlotte, I never knew that NASCAR was big at all. I, I, I knew about Martin Truex because he, he was, he actually lived in Colorado or he raced for Denver mattress. who's was in Colorado for a little bit. Now he's one of my neighbors or not neighbors, but lives down the street from me. So I've gotten to know him really well too, but I've gotten to know a bunch of drivers, um, you know, Ryan Blaney, um, bunch of them. And, and Austin, uh, for me was just a guy who, who reached out as a friend and was like, Hey, if you want to, I think the first time he texted me, he was like, Hey, you know, we're having, we're going fishing, you know, this weekend, if you want to come and, uh, bring whoever. And so, I, you know, I, I was just a rookie coming in. I was like, sure, no problem. Um, you know, him and just the Dylan family open, open their arms to, to me and, 
you know, a lot of other guys on the team. I know if you ask Timo, you know, Alex Harmon, who used to play for us, and um, some of these guys that, about Austin, they just tell you the same thing. Just very welcoming, kind person who um, is very competitive. You know, anytime, hey, you want to go play pig? Sure. You want to go fish? Sure. And everything was a competition. So, uh, but it's been great getting to know the NASCAR community and just being in Charlotte in general. You meet some awesome people over the years through football, right? Obviously, you've earned it. And you've got to see some really interesting things. You say the most exhilarating thing you've ever done. You look in your, your rear view mirror and all of a sudden there's like 30 NASCARs like up your ass, like ready to go. And you're just <laughs> like, hopefully I don't screw this up. Like you start gripping the wheel a little bit more. Your hands start to sweat. Uh, what are, you know, what are some of the fun things you've done? I mean, I'm sure you, you, you've gotten to do backstage at concerts. You've gotten to do, you know, different trips, different things. You know, some, some of the things you can talk about. You know, that would that would be a cool story throughout your travels. Is there, you know, is there a certain trip? Is there a certain event uh, that you've been able to get to because of, you know, just what you've worked and earned? Oh, man. Yeah, I uh, I've definitely gotten to do some cool things. Um, yeah, it's tough. I uh, I once again, I love I love combat sports. So I love um it's not like, you know, sometimes you go to these events and they're supposed to be this big event and to everybody else, it's a big event, but, but really it's, you know, sometimes it's, it, it's just another, another outing for you. Um, but for me, you know, I'm, I like, I like going a little deeper into certain people. And so, uh, Justin Gaethje, one, one of the coolest sporting events I've been to, I was, I went to a UFC fight. It was Justin Gaethje, who's a fighter from Colorado. Um, his pro debut in the UFC and he was fighting Michael Johnson. And uh, if anyone wants to go watch that fight, it's, it was an unbelievable fight. And I was sitting right in the first row uh, with a buddy of mine and seeing that live. And, and kind of, that was my first UFC fight and being up against the cage. So in two rounds, I think there was 196 significant strikes landed. So this is just a bloodbath. And um watching that and watching the emotion that went behind that and just kind of, you know, knowing him, um, there was, you know, a, a personal aspect of it too, where I, I knew him, I know where he trains and, and we were there for the fight and, uh, watching that was, was pretty special. Um, I'll have to think about some other, you know, I've been to some cool places. Um, we could talk like, about it towards the end and, and, uh, we can, uh, yeah, let me, let me think about some other answers. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned training, combat sports, one-on-one stuff. You're, you know, you're trained at an unbelievably high level. One of the most in shape, dedicated to their body guys I've ever played with. Um, it's a part of your DNA. It's who you are. I think you mentioned last year, you know, you, you have, you know, to, to us work talking about your, your, your process, your grind, you, you know, you always have people working on your body. I don't remember the exact numbers. I have it written down, of course, in my notebook somewhere, but, uh, but just talk about your investment you put into your body. Talk about, you know, the people you have involved in your circle, helping you achieve what you want to achieve, your team. And then talk about, you know, the, your training schedules, different times of year and different things you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So, you know, it's another thing, you know, I'm very lucky that I grew up in the household that I grew up in. My dad taught me a lot about taking care of my body and, you know, what it takes to not just train hard, but stay healthy as well. And, um, I think the, the thing I've learned about that is, you know, once again, you can put as much time effort into something as possible and still fail. And that's the humbling part of football. Um, 
And I've seen that, I've seen that happen. And I think the, the fun part though, is trying to figure out, I look at it, you know, like a, like an experiment and trying to figure out what's the best way to maximize my potential every year, you know? And uh, so I, I basically, once again, you talk about combat sports, I treat my off season, like a combat, like somebody preparing for a fight. And it's a little different because we play now 17 games in 18 weeks. So we're playing one time a week, but it's essentially, essentially preparing for, for a fight every week. So when we get done with the season, I take that month, um, I take that month off, but, but it's really a, a region month, you know, it's a contrast bath, get in the pool, um, you know, go on hikes, get outdoors, get away from everything. You know what I mean? Just let, let my body truly recover. Um, I think that diet and, and hydration and sleep is the most important right after the season. You know, you don't get it. You get into what, what 18, hopefully more car crashes a week. And then, you know, you, you got to make sure that because of the, the impact and the contact that you've experienced over the last 18 weeks, you kind of, you take care of that and address everything that needs to be addressed. So that's what I spend that first month doing. And then, you know, it's a buildup. And, and that's one thing I've realized too, is <laughs> the competitor in me wants to be really fast and really strong now. You know what I mean? I, I want it now. I know I can be there. So, why, you know, I'll, I'll start training and I'll, I'll feel like I'm so weak or slow and my confidence will be lacking because I'm not where I, you know, I, I was last year, mid season last year. And so, uh, but, but one thing I've had to grow, grow in is, is the process and, and realizing that it does take time and it is a progression and buying into the progression. Uh, so once that month off uh, ends, then I'll start a, like what, what I call my eight week camp. So really it's a 10 week camp, but it's four weeks on. And in that four weeks, you're doing a lot of speed stuff, a lot of progression stuff where you're kind of building up into sprinting, right? You can't just go from zero to a hundred. So it's a lot of buildup stuff. Um, and then I go uh, a week off after that. So I'll, I'll, I'll get pretty fast and pretty strong in that first four weeks towards the end. And then I'll take a week off. And in that week, like I said, once again, it's all region, you know, getting in the hyperbaric uh, sauna, all that stuff is, is pretty consistent. All the recovery stuff's pretty consistent. I'll have hands on me, you know, whether it's a Cairo soft tissue or whatever it is, you know, five, six times a week, if not every day. Um, and then, so that's, that's five weeks. And then I go back and, and restart that whole period. So then it's another four weeks with a week off and that's my 10 week camp before OTA starts. And so, you know, you hear about the off season in this long amount of time, but it's really not that long. You don't have as much time as you think to, to prepare yourself to, to play football. If you, you know, if you truly respect the process of what it takes to, um, to get there. And I think last year, the year I got hurt, one of the things I flawed in was not respecting, um, not respecting the year I had before that. And, and when I say I, and I had 403 touches in 16 games that, that last year and played, I think 98% of the snaps wow. and, and you know, after the season, I wanted to get back. I was, I was pissed off about some things and I didn't like how the season ended. Obviously I had success, but I just wanted to get back into it. And I overdid it too early and too often. And I think it set me up for fatigue going into training camp. And I'm glad it happened. I'm really glad it happened. I think every athlete who goes through adversity, you can, that's a, that's a major advantage. Um, cause, cause you truly learn from, from your failures. 
and who knows, you know, football is an unforgiving sport too. You just never know. But, but I just know, I know how I feel in the moment now and I know how I feel last year and, and it's light years better, but that's basically my 10 week camp before OTAs. I'll go through OTAs, do everything with the team. Um, and then after that, I take about four or five days off where I'll go out, you know, I'll, I'll go on vacation somewhere, get to the beach, just once again, regen for, for five days, truly. And that means, you know, nothing because now it's, it's truly, I think a lot, not all the haze put in the barn, but, but you got most of it in. And, uh, and after those five days, then I go a, a three and a half, four week camp before camp. And once again, it's another progression and there's certain weights and certain speeds that I want to hit about a week and a half out. And once I'm there, then it's just stay healthy, get healthy for, for the first day of training camp. And then we're rolling. So it sounds like a lot, but it's it, when, you know, when you, when you break down the dates and you look at a calendar and look at the schedule, you know, I mean, I'm going into year five. I remember every second of my rookie year. It feels like I'm, I'm still year two and it, it stuff goes by fast. And I think I think that's when you look at the calendar and, and and once again, just respect the amount of time that it takes to to get there. Um, I think people will, will do everything they can not to lose it <laughs> as fast. No doubt. No doubt. I think that was the biggest struggle for me this offseason. This was my first right since I've played college like completely healthy uh, played last year in the nfl for my first real team other than a practice squad or xfl or aaf or whatever i've been on for the last five years six years and then the adversity of like all right it's march and i feel really weak like i just took wow. off a month and that was such a struggle more i would say more february because i took january off but i can't imagine now i popped out of it and you feel great like two months later, you feel strong, you feel fantastic. And I trusted my process. Um, but it was a struggle. It really was. You talked about yeah, it. And I think, and I think not having OTAs last year, I thought it was going to be an advantage. I think it, I think it hurt me because I was so used to having some sort of spring ball where you, you can divide your, your personal training schedule up into team. You know what I mean? And you spend, what really is three months doing football and that's running back to us, running routes, it's competing one-on-one, seven-on-seven, all that stuff, which I think is much needed. It's, it's, it's a way to break up your personal training um, with a different kind of training from a new strength coach who might do some stuff a little bit differently. I think that's important to put your body in different situations. So you're not just doing the same stuff over and over again. Um, and you get the team aspect, you know, it's the best part about football and I don't care what anybody says is, is, is the guys, you know, it's the team, it's your teammates. It's, it's being in the locker room. It's, it's going out there and feeling like you guys collectively accomplish something together that you've worked hard for. It's the best feeling in the world and um, not having that for so long. And then going into training camp and having a training camp where, you know, we're not even together in the same locker room, you know, they're split up. You don't stay in, in dorms with the guys. You got to go home. Uh, to your own place it's it just I think it was such a it threw me off so much I'm not using them as an excuse at all but I think not having OTAs for me last year ended up hurting me because I felt like I was missing something and 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 in that I overdid it yeah it's unique I think for me I was it's so you're so more tuned in I, I, just because you've had the years of it and, and now you know exactly what you want and need. And I love this o OTAs process where last year I loved it too, not being around. Cause I knew, okay, this is what my last shot. 
I need to get in the best shape of my life. Right. Be able to, like, it was such a different mindset for me than like right. catching balls from a quarterback or running drills. I'm like, I just need to be ready to go. Like there's no, I just need to be in the best shape of my life. It was full throttle. It was completely empty the tank. And then I hit a wall in January that I've never, you know, never hit before, which was very unique. That was the first time I've took more than a week off. It was like an anxiety attack. Yeah. <laughs> really struggling, man. Do, do you was, think, do you think it was an advantage for some guys though? I think, I think some people it might've helped. It was for me. I thought so because I, I was, I, I looked at it selfishly again. I wasn't a part, I was on the team, but I wasn't a part of the team. I, I was an ins- outsider coming on. So I said, okay, I'm going to out-train all these guys. I know probably at least 50% of them aren't going to be training the way I'm training. And then the next right. 50%, I'll be a part of that group. So there's an advantage right there. So then, okay, if right. I get cut, if I get cut from Carolina, God forbid, I'll be in great shape and I'll go to another right. team or whatever. So it was an advantage. I don't know. I'm going to say it's a manager. I made the team, but, and I was here, but I, I loved it because I was able to train by myself. I was able to focus. I learned to love training by myself, but before I hated it and wanted to be with the team. So now I love both and it's all great, but yeah, it was a unique year. Well, I think, unique- I think you're, I think you hit it. I think for some guys it's, it's, it's nice um, in a way, you know, not having so many reps, um, you know, and, and, and this sounds stupid, but it's just the way it is, but you don't have as many opportunities to succeed, but you also don't have as many opportunities to mess up. You know what I mean? All you can do is try to continue to perfect and work on your craft so that when camp comes with the reps that you are going to get, uh, the coaches have less to evaluate on, you know, they're, they're trying to sign guys that they've never seen before. They're not going to do that. They're going to keep the guys that, you know, unless you truly screw it up in camp, um, but you go a whole off season and something happens or you get hurt or whatever, uh, you know, you're, you're putting less out there, but, but by that, you know, you, you might be able to take advantage of it. And if you maximize the minimum reps that you have, you're on the team. No doubt. It was unique with the preseason too. I remember two things I want to talk, I want to write this down cause I'll forget it. Um, but I remember when Chicago, we played five preseason games cause we played the hall of fame game. I was the six tight end, so I was with the threes. So we played everything. And the and coach Coach Nagy's first year, he was like, "Nope, none of these starters are playing in any game." I think Mitch played one series. I think Allen wow. Robinson played one series. All five preseason games. So we would practice hard as shit, and then have one day off, and then go play. It was like a bloodbath for like four four straight weeks. Wow. I, I, I was exhausted for every game. I would be out on kickoff return. I ran out on kickoff. Christian, I wasn't even on the kickoff depth last year. I ran out on kickoff almost every single time that in that whole preseason. <laughs> what was, were you on kickoff? What, what, what were you? The, the seven, the six? What were you? I was a that was right down. That was a three running down the numbers. I mean, I literally would just go down and just put my head right between somebody's numbers. Like it it didn't change anything at the point of attack, like what I would do now, you know. It's not like yeah, I'm, gonna, right. I'm, not, I'm not avoiding and making the play. <laughs> but it was, and they would try to make me feel better that like, Hey, you're playing, we're playing in levels. They didn't put you at the five. They didn't let you just go nuts. No, I don't have that ability as you know. <laughs> so I, I, I was, I know who I am. I was like, perfect. We're going to come down in levels. I was like four or five yards behind every guy. They would cut in. Then the guy would bounce it and I would just fall in the pile and get half a tackle. So yeah. Do you guys, as long as you're in, in the scrum, you're good. Exactly. In the scrum, yeah. someone a little later. Yep. So yep. It was unique. Like this off season, I felt fresh for the season. I did. Yeah. I felt very fresh to start the year. That, that again, this is me who had played in the XFL. I was playing in the XFL five months before we started. So right. it was definitely unique. All right. Question for me. This is like a personal one that I've been I've been meaning to ask you and we'll ask it on air. 
now like for me in training in the off season, I was on such a regiment with my meals. This is the one thing I loved about being home. It was like, I know my meals. I know when I'm going to get up. Everything's lined up. Like I'm getting up early. My lift is here. My running's here. This is there. I get my 20 minute nap here. I get whatever, like everything is dialed in. My meals are dialed in. I'm like cutting weight. My biggest struggle is in a facility. Some practices you may get three reps, four reps in right. OTAs, right? And then you may get like a 40-minute lift when you bef- and maybe you do some metabolic after practice, which I try to do, do some running after practice. So like before I was lifting two hours a day, I was running, doing field work an hour a day, and then I would either bike and or swim. I would work something in. On I was swimming like two to three days a week, spiking three days a week, running three days. Like I was doing a ton, burning a ton, leaning out. And then you get no TAs and you're like, wow, you got to change your diet. I, I like, I've tried to really change my diet. Is that something that you struggle with because you're training at such a high level? And not that we don't train at a high level, but again, for those that don't know, listening, you know, per our union, we're only allowed to work for four hours at a day, six hours at a day. Plus we have meetings. We have practice. It's, it's hard to get like two hour lifts and you physically can't do it. Um, so is that something that you've struggled with in the past or is something that you just accustomed to? So it's a great question because I think it's, it, you know, it's, it's different for everyone. And I think anytime anyone asks me a question about um, training or what should I do for training, there's never, I can never give an answer because um, every single, per, I mean, everyone's different, right? Every there's body types are different. Their positions require different needs. Um And so I I really can speak for myself. You know, some guys haven't had the mileage that I've had. Some guys have had more. Some guys, um, you know, they need to they need to be maybe a little bit more uh, metabolically in shape. Um, Some guys need to be, you know, really strong. Uh, One thing that that I've learned is and I think this is true for any athlete. um, Volume is the killer of great athletes. I think you can take a very good athlete, somebody who's naturally just gifted. Like one thing I've, I've had to do in the past is respect my God given talent a little bit. Um, you know, I've been very blessed with a great gene pool. Uh, and, and I've never had trouble running, you know what I mean? Like running is what it's what I do. It's in my blood playing football's in my blood. Um, and, and I, and I appreciate that. And so one of my, things, as I mentioned before, is just is overdoing it and overtraining. Um, and so that's why everything has to be mapped out correctly, because I don't need to be running gassers, uh, you know, anymore. I, to be to be honest, I, I go through a game. Um, the, the best year I ever had, the year I went thousand, thousand like I said, I was playing 98% of the snaps. You know how many times I did conditioning in the offseason? Zero. I never did conditioning because I bought into – I need to have the best nervous system in the game. And, and what I mean by that is I need to be a, a, a neuron. I need to be a jet. You know, I need to be fast and efficient. And, and I think when I play football, right, when anyone plays football, you play at full speed. And so I talked to a lot of guys on my team and, and we tried to boil down what the best way for me to train is. And I realized that if I'm not running 100%, I'm not going to do anything. And so naturally you can't run a hundred percent, uh, doing gassers, right. You start to fatigue. Um, and so, I mean, I don't want to dive too much into the science of it, but, but to, to your question, 
I've learned to just buy into OTAs. Whatever they tell me to do in OTAs, I'm going to do it because it's a break from my regular training. I'll get my conditioning in this three months of OTAs where, you know, I, I, I might get, I might get 11 reps on the day, but those 11 reps, I'm going to run full speed. I'm going to finish minimum 40 yards down the field. I'm going to try to make, I'm going to treat it like a football game. I treat every single rep like a game rep. And then I go back into my training where in a way we do less, right? I go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I train like a track athlete. And my Tuesday, Thursdays are, are recovery days, like slash, you know, auxiliary lifts. It's where I'll do the pool, the gymnastics, uh, you know, some of this, some of this stuff that's, you know, people might call a little bit funky, but there's, there's reasons and purpose behind all of it. Um, you know, so maximizing my nervous system, I've found in, in, in my past has put me in the best shape possible because now when I'm running, I'm running with, with, you know, hopefully, you know, obviously sometimes things differ, but, um, I run with perfect mechanics, um, and, and fast all the time because, that's what I do in football. And I think it's, it's fascinates me every year, right? I've, I find guys who all day, they're like, I'm in the best shape ever. I did, I did conditioning three times a week. I ran, you know, four, four. And there, there's an aspect of, of stamina that you need in football. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, run like a track. So an Olympic track runner, would run, they'd run full speed, maybe twice a week, maybe. Right. So they're hitting, they're hitting full speed twice a week. Why? Because they're jets. They're meant to do that. Their whole job is just, Hey, stay healthy, keep your nervous system firing so that when race time comes, you're good to go. Um, but it fascinates me going back to my point, you get guys who for, for six days straight, they're, they're, they're conditioning, they're doing this, they're doing that. And then they show up day one. And what are they doing? They're gassed. You know what I mean? They're gassed because they're training at a, they're now playing football at a different speed that they trained at. You know what I mean? So if you're doing conditioning at 60, 65%, three days a week, and then you go to run full speed, you're not in full speed shape. You're in 60, 65% speed shape. And football's played at 100%. And so I've, I've always found that fascinating that even me, you know, I, when I was in college and when I was at these, um, you know, when I thought I had all the answers, I, would, I, I was running forever. There's nobody that was going to beat me in a conditioning test. I was going to run every rep you know, as fast as I could. And then I'd show up day one of camp and I'd be completely exhausted. And that always fascinated me. Why I'm like, we do all this training and when no one's in shape for football, why is that? And, um, you know, and it, you're running one tens and you're running, you're running one tens. I'm like, dude, I need to, I need to be an absolute jet at accelerating with the ball in my hand from zero to 10. I need to be a jet. After that, I let my God give it, you know, and I, I get to top in speed. Don't get me wrong. I'll run full speed 60s and 80s, um, you know, because how many times do I do, do I break? Hopefully this year, you know, we do it a bunch. A lot. A lot. Hopefully a lot, right? Hopefully I'm on but, the field. But, <laughs> but realistically, I don't get to those top in speeds unless I'm an elite accelerator. So my job is to be as fast as humanly possible from zero to 100. Not, not zero to, to, to 60 in less than, you know, whatever it is less than nine seconds for met for a tempo run. You know what I mean? That anybody can do that, but not everybody can, you know, I watched some of these guys around the league and, and once again, I'm not saying I'm not anti-conditioning. I think once it depends on who you are. Um, but I remember Julius peppers and I, I, I hate, don't you hate when guys do this? They're like, well, well, this guy does this. I'm like, well, yeah, well, Julius peppers is a freak, right? He's I mean, you guy could yeah. do whatever he was six, eight, 300 pounds and, and runs a four, 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 five, whatever it is. 
Um, so yeah, he's in, he's in, but I'm here. I am doing it. But yeah. I remember in the off season, I asked him what he did in the off season after my rookie year. And he's like, the off season is for recovering the muscles. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he did anything. You'd show up to camp day one, six, eight, 300 pounds. And he'd have over 10 sacks a year. And so I can't do that. You said everyone's made up differently. I cannot, I would be, no, no, I, I Hey, I can't either. I'll be the first to admit that. But, but my point in that is there's guys, there's guys that condition all the time and they're good. There's guys that run just track speed and do some of the stuff that I do and sprint mechanics all the time. And they're really good. There's guys that don't lift at all. And they're really good. There's guys that lift heavy as shit and they're really good. And, and so there's two concepts of it, right? One is, you know, as long as you stay healthy, you're You know, it, it, you can kind of let your God given talent take over. And two, just, if you believe in what you're doing, I swear that's 75% of the battle. If you believe that what you're doing is correct and it's going to maximize your performance, most of the time it will. But I got to say, the more I go through the league, I do see guys over condition and, and over volume, what I'll say, and, and it ends up hurting them. Yeah. It definitely comes from a place of fear, right? Not being ready. Obviously, right. the opportunity. And, and, you know, obviously, you know, it, you're not on the border of making the team or not, which, which doesn't matter because you're saying, hey, listen, train like a jet. You're going to be like a jet. I'm a prop plane, but I'm going to try to be the best prop plane I can be, the most efficient well, prop plane. Yeah. And, and, and that's I worked for me. You know, it has. 100%. Yeah. And, know. and like, like, like I, you know, like you said too, I mean, obviously I'm not, I, I, you know, I'm, you, you say, you know, I'm not in a position, you know, well, you're, you're in a position. I'm, I'm really not though. I mean, Joe, I, I'm also in a position where I could get traded at any moment and, and I'm, yeah. I'm very realistic in, in how NFL football works. Right. I mean, Joe Montana got traded. You know, you look at some of the best players in the world, they've all been traded and, and I don't want to be traded. You know what I mean? I have, I have, I won't lie to you. I, I want to be in Carolina forever. So to your point there, there's the feeling of, I may not be here. That's consistent with anyone. I don't care who you are. Um, I love you it. know, and I, I saw this last year. Uh, you know, I, I, I went from thousand, thousand, everybody loved me. You know, I, I, I had you know, whatever. I had a great year, um, but our team wasn't very good. Missed, you know, missed. I've never missed a game in my life up until this last year. And now it's all over the place. He might get traded, this and that. And, and, and so it, it, it really is, you know, you, you think you have it figured out until something like that happens. Um, and, and then you realize that, once again, you, you go back to humility. It's a humbling sport. And, and I'm glad, you know, I, I went through all that stuff. But, but to your point about training, it's, it's a, you never, I never have it all figured out. You know, I say this now and then I might come back to you in a year and be like, dude, I found this new conditioning workout. That's unbelievable. I feel so good. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think that's the whole key is I don't think anyone ever just continues to do the same thing over and over again, at least not anyone who's trying to get better. Um, no. No. Because you're always looking for the next best, best thing or, or the best formula to become you. And that changes with time. It changes with you know, it changes with age, it changes with mileage on your body, it changes with contact. And that's the beauty of the sport, you know, is, is how can I consistently maintain the, the process and the ability to become a machine every year, because it might require different things every year. A jet. I'm going to try to be a jet this offseason, I promise, Christian, I'm going to do everything I can. Uh, as we finish up here. <laughs> All right, I need an update. We need an update. We got two quick things and we'll let you go. Really appreciate you coming on, bro. Um, 
the McCaffrey family, right? Unreal athletes. Everyone's an unreal athlete. Mom is a soccer star. Dad played 13 years in the league, three Super Bowls. Your brothers are all over. But we need an update because they're all over the place. No one's like, we got guys transferring. We got guys coaching. We got guys playing running back for the Carolina Panthers. Dad's coaching. What's the McCaffrey family up to? So my mom's killing it. As always, she's doing great. My dad is coaching at Northern Colorado. Go Bears. My older brother's also coaching at Northern Colorado. He's an offensive coordinator, actually. Go Bears. And then my little brother, Dylan, is the quarterback at Northern Colorado. Go Bears. So anybody wants to check out UNC, uh, Northern Colorado, um, I think they're going to have a great year. I, I've, I've gotten just to go and, and shadow my dad this, this offseason when I was back in Colorado. And it, it just, it fires me up, honestly, you know, it just, just to see everybody in the same place, um, you know, kind of gets me really excited to watch college football. I, I love watching my brothers. I get more nervous watching them than I do uh, for my own games. And then my little brother, Luke is at Rice. My old offensive coordinator, Mike Bloomgren is now the head coach at Rice. And uh, so my little brother's going to play with play for him. So uh, all over the place, but everyone's doing really well. I love it. I love it. I'm going to have to get a, a Northern Colorado hat. I'm a, I've become a hat hoarder. Yeah, um, man, blue and gold. I'm going to have to get the blue and gold on. All right, so I'm going to let you go. One more thing. Talk about 22 and troops. Yeah, man, appreciate you asking. So 22 and troops is something I started. You know, I, I always wanted to um, be in the, in the philanthropy business as far as giving back. And sometimes it's difficult to choose, you know, what, what do you want to spend your time and effort? Um, and, and for me, it was military and I think it's always been military. It's just been a part of my family for a long time now. And I have friends in the, in the military. I have mentors who have received purple hearts, um, growing up in Colorado near the air force base too. We're just very familiar with it. And, um, just grew up in a household that always, you know, was, was taught to respect, um, our service members. And, and so I started 22 in troops, um, because I saw, I, I see that, uh, really, you know, 22 is, is an important number in that title. And it's not because of my number. It's, it's actually meant because 22 veterans commit suicide every day. And I heard that number and it was pretty astounding to me that, you know, and I'm somebody who, unfortunately I've, I've had, friends who have committed suicide. I've had um, friends, siblings commit suicide. And I've just, it's been too relevant in my life um, to where I just felt like I needed to do something about it. And what better way than to, than to start a foundation. And um, so for me, uh, I'm excited about it. We have an unbelievable team. There's people on our board who are much smarter than I am, um, who are much more familiar in that area. I have a lot of amazing people who have served who are helping us out. Um, like I said, people who have received purple hearts, um, you know, people who, who served in the, in the military and are now CEOs of massive companies. Um, and, and so talking with these people, I realized that there's a need in healthcare and, uh, especially in the military, these, you know, I look at, we, we just talked for an hour about how I take care of my body. Right. And, and the whole thing was, I, I sometimes feel a little bit undeserving of that when you have people who are risking their lives for, you know, for us so that I can, you know, we can play a game, me and you, and, and they're, they're not getting the same treatment I'm getting. And I don't think that's right. So um, it was something that I wanted to do. Uh, I was passionate about it. And, and that's our main goal. 
is to kind of take a 360 approach and a, and a new approach in, in healthcare for the military. Um, you know, whether that's emotional, physical, mental, however it may be, but we're, we're, we're working really hard. We have the right pieces in place and we're going to try to raise as much money as possible um, to help as many vets as possible. So uh, actually we have a concert coming up that uh, I'm, you know, I play piano calling. I'm playing piano in a, in a concert July 2nd in Charlotte at the Fillmore. Um, so Zach Bryan, who's another guy on our board, who's an unbelievable singer songwriter. If you guys haven't heard him, check him out. But uh, I'm playing in a few songs with him and, and um, he's actually active duty military right now. And uh, so, you know, the fact that we got him on board and, and he's been unbelievable and working, being able to work with him and his team is, is really an honor. And, and like I said, you know, I don't have all the answers. I, I'm not in the military, but um, my whole thing is just getting the right people and getting the best people possible around me that, that do have the answers or that at least can lead us in the right direction. And uh, so stuff like this, it's fun. You know, we got this concert. We'll have a bunch of events throughout the year, um, all trying to raise money for, for our vets. So and try to just continue to take that 22 number and chunk it down to, you know, 21, 20, 19, 18. If we can just save lives, it'd be awesome. So it's a wonderful cause. Awesome foundation. We're going to do what we can do here at Not For Long Media to help and make sure we plug it. We plan to donate as well, and, and we really, Christian, we can't thank you enough for coming on. I've, I've been lucky enough to get to know you as a friend, teammate, and, and really excited to have the grass for you this year. So appreciate you coming on, brother. 22 and Troops, check it out. And, uh, you know, we're excited to help out as much, much as we can. It's fantastic stuff. Thanks, bro, for coming on. You're the man, Colin. Appreciate it, brother. Wow, guys, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed the Christian McCaffrey interview, more of a conversation than an interview. I was uh, picking his brain on everything possibly I could. I wish we had more time. He was generous enough to give us for 45 minutes. Um, please support 22 and Troops. We will definitely be doing that here and not for long media. Definitely a, a, a foundation that we could raise some money for down the line. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Christian is an unbelievable professional. Uh, a great person and an unbelievable interview. We, we cannot thank you enough, C-Mac, for coming on. But first, uh, it, we had some late-breaking news here. Uh, full disclosure, uh, we, do a, we do a team meeting um, every Monday and every Monday night. And right at the end of the meeting, uh, this Justin, Justin Ayers, what do we got? So this is ginormous news in the NFL world. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders defensive lineman Carl Nassib just became the first active NFL player in the history of the of the game to announce that he is gay. Uh, he put it on Instagram posts literally like hours ago. Um, it, it's cool because there's never been an openly active gay or bi player that's ever played it down in the NFL. We, remember Michael Sam back in 2014. I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever played it down in the regular season. I don't think he really made the team. Um, but yeah, I'll read a little bit of, of what Carl put on Instagram. He said, hey, everyone, happy Pride Month. Right now I'm sitting in a moment of gratitude and relief. Sadly, I've agonized over this moment for the last 15 years. Only until recently, thanks to my family and my friends, especially Connor, Kaysen, and Francis, did it seem possible for me to say publicly and proudly that I am gay. So that was just a little taste of what you can check it out on his Instagram. Um, but Colin, this is a big deal. You know Carl a little bit. And, uh, you know, I want to get your take on everything. 
Well, first off, congrats to Carl. Um, in full transparency, my brother is a gay man, a proud gay man, and we are extremely proud of him. I saw his struggle firsthand, um, obviously now for, for 27 years. He's now the best man at my wedding. I'm getting married this Friday, June 25th. And, um, I, you know, Danny Seo, one of our, our previous guests, a gay man, he uh, uh, is my brother's boyfriend. Um, so this is something that we we take very seriously here at not for long media and, and that's pride month and that's just pride in general loving caring for others and and just acceptance i've said it before people got to knock this shit off of judging people um and and putting themselves in other people's shoes everyone stay in your lane love each other enjoy each other and we are i'm just ecstatic for carl um i know carl um on a little bit of a first name basis. I'll be honest. We, we played against each other a few times. So we know each other on film, played against him at Penn state twice played against them in the NFL this past season. I actually didn't dress, but went up to him and we have uh, some family friends in common and, and, and I respect his game. He's a guy who's played hard. He's a guy who signed a nice big contract with the Raiders after some good years of playing hard and making plays for the bucks. Everyone saw him. Uh, this past year, as Justin talked about in our team meeting, uh, about uh, him talking about how to save your money and how to invest and, and what to different do and what compound interest was and all these different things, which was really cool to see. Everyone gets a sneak peek. So he's a great guy. I know a lot of people close to him. Actually, I know his brother. His brother used to throw to me uh, at Temple when he was trying. His brother was trying to make another surge back into the league. His brother was a quarterback from Syracuse that went on. Um, played in the NFL was the backup through all the Super Bowl end of the Super Bowl years with Eli, um, but I I, dig, I digress. It's um, I'm so happy for him. I'm happy for this league. What an unbelievable thing! Right before training camp, to, to have this and 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 to, for us to wrap our arms around Carl and support him. Um, the stigma of the locker room and all that crap. People got to knock that shit off, and we got to stand tall. We got to you know have you know be proud and 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 support. Carl, make him as comfortable as possible um, in this journey for what he's doing because it is just kudos to him. Um, I had to end the team meeting early because I was just so excited to talk about this and do a little snippet at the end. So, uh, Carl, definitely someone we're going to try to have a cool on the podcast and share his story regardless of, of this or not. He's someone that I've got to know and respect over the years and wanted to have on anyway. So, what a great opportunity. Pride Month, two of all months to come out. And, um, yeah. Any thoughts out of you, Justin? Well, I, this is awesome because and I was reading through his Instagram and watching the video that he put up, and he said that he's going to start by donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project. It is a, you know, it's an organization. It's the number one suicide prevention service for LGBTQ youth in America. Um, I, I think they said that LGBTQ kids attempting suicide or – uh, studies have shown that all it takes is one accepting adult to decrease the risk of an LGBTQ kid attempting suicide by 40%. So, you know, youth suicide, LGBTQ, we're in the middle of Pride Month. Um, it, he's, you know, a great charitable endeavor that he's involved with as well. So uh, just an all around awesome story to, uh, you know, end our podcast with. No doubt. And, and, and 22 in troops, it's about, you know, 22 troops a day commit suicide. And now Carl Nassib, he's doing this as well to stop you know, the community, the pride, the, the gay pride community, the gay community, excuse me, uh, to take away, you know, to, to take away, excuse me, from uh, people committing suicide uh, and, and aid that cause the best way we can. So we will definitely do that and not for long media. 
Uh, maybe we'll create some sort of GoFundMe or we'll find a way to create something for 22 and troops, support Christian, support Carl and what he's doing. Um, what was the foundation again? It's, it's called the Trevor Project. I'll have to do okay, a more the Trevor. Okay, yeah. the Trevor Project. So we'll make sure to get that information out of how you can support that again. It's fantastic for Carl. Um, I cannot imagine the weight on his shoulders, especially as a professional athlete, the guy he is in the sun every day. It's one thing to come out uh, and you got to you know, worry about your, you know, the people in your community's thoughts. And I hope we don't have that anymore. It's such a shame, but it's still real. It's 2021 and it's still real, sadly. So um, kudos to Carl. Uh, and uh, a big thanks again to Christian McCaffrey and uh, for joining our podcast. Summertime weather is better, but not enough. I'm hotting up, uh, baby. I'm hotting up. Wanna catch a fever? Wanna be a believer? Hotting up, baby. I'm hotting up. Summertime weather is better.